Hello, I'm Stuart Lambert and welcome to Do Not Adjust Your Focus, the podcast from Blurred that involves me talking to far more interesting people than me about business, culture and what's going on in the world. What's going on right now is a crisis that is in many ways unprecedented. And this episode is unprecedented because it's being recorded remotely from home. Let's see how that goes. My virtual guest today is Dr. Jen Denya, ex-England international squash player, now turned executive leadership coach on the MBA at Cranfield and Oxford Business Schools. And we're gonna talk about the COVID-19 crisis, business leadership and resilience in situations like this. And what lessons from sports are the right ones for executives to learn right now? Dr. Denya, welcome. Thank you. Um, so I'll dive straight in. This pandemic is pushing all of our psychological anxiety buttons, testing the personal resilience of all of us. But I'm, I'm particularly interested in the effect on people running businesses, making business decisions amidst such uncertainty. What, what's your general take on how to provide leadership when the next week, let alone month or year, is so unknowable? Yeah, great question, Stu. Um, so I guess the first thing is around uh, managing yourself uh, as a leader and managing your own state. Um, and what we know is that when uh, there is uncertainty um, and um, we don't know what's coming next, we are likely to be triggered um, into the grip, uh, which means that we're, the emotional brain is overtaking the rational brain and so we're not necessarily in the best state to be making good decisions. So the first thing we need to do is uh, to get ourselves, get re-engage the rational brain um, and get ourselves through the change curve. You know, a normal stage of, of that people go through is uh, into denial. So they might be saying, everything's fine, we just carry on as normal. And then into resistance, which is don't really want to be thinking about this and then uh, finally into a, a stage of a state of acceptance which i think is uh, you know where we've got to we are going to need to take action here uh, we're going to need to go into lockdown we're going to need to change the way that we you know that we, we operate um, and then into exploration around what does the new normal look like and you know what's our way out of this so i think the first thing is being able to know where you are on that change curve and to manage your state and get yourself into uh, acceptance and exploration uh, as quickly as possible. How, how, how do you know where you are? How do you assess yourself at that? Because that's, that's got to be the first, the first thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, feedback from people that are uh, around you is uh, helpful. Um, but also, like, listening to your own self-talk uh, and noticing, you know, that your own responses. I think any any leader has probably done a level of uh, self-reflection um, and has had numerous psychometrics in their time and understands what they're predisposed to in terms of uh, likely in-the-grip responses. And so being able to uh, work with that uh, as, as a leader to get yourself into that stage of acceptance, I think, is is really important. Tell me about this in the grip phrase. I've not heard this. I like it. I don't know what it means. <laughs> so when uh, when we are when when our emotional brain is is triggered, you know, you 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 will have experienced a f uh, this happen to you. We all have a fight flight response. Right. 
and often that stage of uh, fight flight you know the body is overwhelmed with cortisol and uh, that's the that's the point at which we, we say that we're in the grip and we the, the emotional brain is is reacting which you know in, in a way that used to be in our, in our heritage quite useful but in the modern day is not necessarily so useful when we're trying to make you know informed judgments good judgments about the way forward in, in, in business terms. We have to be able to manage that uh, and to uh, re-engage the rational part of the brain. And we need to understand, in order to do that, we need to be aware of, our, of how we are and respond to it. So I'd, I'd say that the first stage is, is uh, manage yourself. And then once you're into a, a stage of, uh, of acceptance, uh, it's about you know managing others and helping to manage other people's emotional responses. Um, and I think the the the, the more people in, within your organisation that you can mobilise to help each other to move along the change curve, the better. So I think that would be step two. And then providing a, a strategy, you know, for dealing with this uncertainty is probably fairly essential what are you what are you saying to you know the, the kind of c-suite execs that you coach what kind of things are they asking what kind of things are you telling them <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm doing most of the asking to be honest um so i think the you know the, the co- coaching questions are helpful to executives at this point in time because you know your head's full of lots of uh, information and lots of questions um, and just being able to talk to somebody and get that out is, is uh, helpful. I think one of the questions that seems to be helping in terms of st- strategy is, you know, what is it that the world needs that you can offer right now? And encouraging leaders to think outside the box, start to, to innovate as a way out of this is, you know, really what I'm encouraging people to, uh, to do more of. Is it realistic to... to to suggest that business leaders can find the mental space right now to be thinking about, I, I get that they can be thinking about how, how to handle the, the situation in the moment, but to think beyond that, to think about performance and productivity and optimising the business, is, is that realistic? I mean, I, I think it's, um, it's essential that they, you know, that they do do that because there's got to be, if, if they don't do that, <laughs> and you carry on as, as normal, then you're not leading. So I think yeah. it's absolutely essential that they do, because nobody else is going to be doing it, create the space to, you know, think differently. Has you talked about fight and flight before? Can that pressure be useful? What's the difference between pressure and fear I'm interested in as well? Is there any upside to it? Yeah, so, so uh, pressure is uh, an external force uh, that's placed upon us. And at the moment, you know, pressure's coming from all angles for leaders in businesses. Um, and fear is an internal emotional response to that stress. And how, how can that, that fear, can it, can it be harnessed? Can it be useful in some ways? What's, where does it become, you know, where is it a positive and where does it become harmful? So fear is a negative emotional response. So it becomes harmful when... Uh, it triggers that threat response. And again, you know, the emotional brain is overtaking the rational 
brain. So what I would be encouraging leaders to do is to uh, turn threat into opportunity, to be seeking the opportunities in this situation. And I think if you can turn some of those in, uh, opportunities into a positive strategy for people, then you'll get people to, to come with you. The question is how do you, you know, you've probably within your organization got lots of bright people, lots of creative people with some brilliant brains. And the, the leadership challenge is, to, is how do we mobilize that in a positive way to, uh, you know, to get uh, out of this situation. To put ourselves in, in, in a good position for what comes next, right? Yeah. And, and what comes next is going to be a major recession. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, and your clients will be aware of that acutely already. And, and then when it happens, you're going to be advising them and, and your business school students during during that time. So what what does effective leadership look like in in those tough times compared to compared to the kind of uncertainty now and certainly compared to periods when when things are more more rosy? Well, I think setting a goal now of survival is a good starting point. Getting people, people's heads on it. You know, I mean, I think there's still a lot of people out there who are in, de who are in denial. I mean, you know, right. you say, you know, the, there's a major recession and it's inevitable. Yet, you, you know, we're still hearing people saying it'll be absolutely fine and everything will go back to normal and the economy will rebound and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think if you can, again, get to that point of saying, right, you know, we need to set the goal of survival now and we need to uh, mobilise the brilliant brains <laughs> around this goal, yeah. uh, I think you've got your, your best chance of proactively tackling, the, you know, a, a, a very difficult economic period. So that, that suggests then that, that a kind of a brutal honesty, actually, is an important an important leadership trait right now because sugarcoating it and and simply saying everything's going to be fine you know might work in the short term at reassuring people but it's 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 not true so um yeah and, and also i think it, it's not just about working you know harder and faster it's actually right. about doing things differently and yet we know that you know change is something that people generally find uh, difficult and uh, again, it's you know as soon as you want to, you, you're asking you're asking people to do something that they've not done before. They, you know, again, you're into that territory of threat response. Right. And it's so, it's you know it, the the question is how do we frame this in a positive way so that people can see that there's opportunity in it for them to grow and for them to develop, and it could be the making of them, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to it being you know. A, a massive threat uh, and then being fearful of it and so i think it's it's generally you know uh, the leadership challenge of how do how do we how do we create a motivational environment how do we create a motivational climate here out of something that is uh you know fairly desperate but that, and that's really interesting because it's back to your question you posed at the beginning isn't it about asking yourself what given what's happening right now what does the world need that you can offer and i suppose that's as true of individuals at a leadership level, but also more junior, um, as it is of, of businesses themselves, that, that opportunity to do things differently, do different things, um, you know, look to kind of innovate, as you say. I mean, it's an overused word, but I think it's really pertinent here. Yeah, and I think even, you know, we've seen it with people who are being furloughed that are then immediately becoming volunteers. And, 
you know, using skills that they don't necessarily use at work in a way which is helpful to the community, to the NHS, you know, to frontline services and feeling really positive about that. So, you know, it's, you know, in organisations that I consult with and and coach within, there are so many brilliant people. Um, You know, one of the first sessions that I would do with someone in in terms of a a block of coaching is, is to ask them the question, you know, how, how do you, how do you find yourself here? What's your story to now? And, uh, you know, the, the amount of the, the amount of times that, that I'm just absolutely wowed by the person who's sitting in front of me because of the stuff that, <laughs> that's gone on in their background, in their history, the making of them, if you like. Yeah. And, you know, I think in, there's, there's plenty of people in the, within that organisation who wouldn't know that about that person. And I think it's times like this where the, 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 the brilliance of people sh- comes out and shines and you know what we have to do as leaders is to you know embrace some of that is to find out more about that and you know what's lovely about the remote working is the fact that we actually see real people in their homes you know we we see the person behind the the professional and uh, you know i think often that's really liberating and you know i i really think that you know leaders who can embrace a bit of that and mobilize and bring together and also who can think about future and you know what is it that our customers really need right now that we could offer and we could potentially offer it to them for free because they need it right now and because of this that will strengthen the relationship that you know that we have with them can we talk a bit about the the correlation between sport and business because obviously that's your your kind of unique background as well and i'm fascinated by that that background as an international sports player and the lessons you presumably have taken from that into business and and coaching business leaders it it strikes me that sport is among the most high pressured environments there is and much of the time the focus there is is very much on the individual so your own ability to achieve that that personal best to beat that record to win that medal tell me about mental health and personal resilience in sport where to start? Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm particularly interested in, the, in how useful the, the, the connection is to business because I can't help but feel that that personal resilience that gets built up there is built in a very certain way and it can be very positive, but it doesn't necessarily apply the same way in business. Simply believing that your business will be okay is not enough. Self-belief only goes so far, whereas I think in, in sport it's much more integral, presumably. Yeah, I mean, if we talk about um, personal performance um, and possibly personal resilience, you know, one of the one of the classic phrases that you will hear a sports psychologist say is control the controllables is what you do when you're an elite sports performer. You focus on what you can control and the rest is irrelevant. And I guess, you know, when you look at, at this current situation, there are a lot of uncontrollable factors so how useful would that be to just say well just control the controllables you know i I think that that uh is less less helpful but you know these if you take it if you think about it as as personal performance um being at your best controlling the controllables is something that is true for you to being at your best whether you're whatever environment you're in whether you're in a sporting environment or a business environment but when you're thinking about in in a in a business you've often got highly complex problems that you're trying to 
work with and uh, resolve. And so you probably need a different mindset to be able to tackle highly co complex problems to the mindset that's required to, you know, to tackle a, a tame problem, a problem that we know what the answer is. You know, so for example, winning a gold medal or producing podium class, class athletes requires a different type of leadership to dealing with a climate crisis yeah. or dealing with complex issues within, you know, getting PPE to frontline yeah. workers. So the problem type and being able to respond and provide the right leadership for the right type of problem is, is important. So, for example, Dave Brailsford, who's the hero who, who created uh, yeah. Yeah, British Cycling and the, the, you know, the metal factory um, yes. and the, the, you know, the culture of high performance in British Cycling, um, really the kind of leadership, you know, is very technical. You know, his key skills would be measuring, analysing, giving feedback, you know, meticulous planning and preparation, you know, using scientific graphs to see if somebody's you know on track on the curve behind the curve in front of the curve etc if you compare that to someone like bill gates um who's you know concerned with leaving the planet in a better place for future generations it's a different sort of set of leadership skills so it's much more around you know collaborating uh, providing vision listening to experts and using his network to introduce key people, key stakeholders to other stakeholders to, in order to, to get stuff done. So it's, it's a completely different set, skill set. Interesting to bring up Dave Brailsford because I, I was obsessed by his, I'm not sure if he originated it, but I know it was, it was almost a religion to him, his marginal gains yeah. theory. Is there, is there any value of that in, in business or is it, a, is it too granular? Because as you say, there are, there are too many variables. There's definitely value in that. You know, there are, there are business problems that are tame problems, you know, that, that uh, we, you know, we can clearly define what the goal is and we understand, you know, that there's, a, there's a known process for achieving that. And the skills and attributes that Dave Brailsford has demonstrated with British Cycling are definitely, I think, applicable. And the marginal gains argument is one of those. That's, that's really helpful, you know, and being really clear about what the what the vision is and being really clear around the behavioural standards, you know, what, do, what we expect of anybody that's working in this team, that's helpful for uh, organisations. It's administrative leadership to, right. you know, a class A level. And that's, that is different to, you know, it's, you wouldn't apply that model of leadership in the NHS. So Dave Brailsford must be the, the archetypal control freak. And I imagine control freaks uh, like myself are finding this situation extremely uh, disquieting. What, what, what advice do you have for those like me who <laughs> like to control every variable and can't? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's, it's back to the managing your own state. The great thing is that you're, you know, is awareness of, of right. the fact that that... <laughs> no, a nervous laugh there from, from me. That's, you know, that's your preference. And so knowing that um, it's going to feel uncomfortable is, is a good starting point. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, if I, if I could give you a recipe for uh, dealing with it, I would. Uh, but I think being, being aware of how you are and teaming up with people who, who, who are not like you and who make the best of uncertainty, uh, find opportunity in it and 
are generally um, a creating positive emotion for you is is I think you know really helpful. So in terms of the sporting comparison, I guess that's that's where the huge distinction lies between individuals sport pursuits and and team sports right because the best teams uh i i would assume are, are comprised of very different people with different skills and different outlooks and different personalities etc yeah absolutely and i think you know the the what we know about effective um, executive teams is just that that you know they are diverse teams and it's becoming increasingly on the agenda to ensure that you've got diversity in your team so that discussions are of a better quality and that opposing views are in the discussion. How vital is that going to be going forward, actually? That's a really interesting point, because I've seen quite a bit now of worrying research over the last few weeks suggesting that diversity is one of the, one of the things that will be hardest hit coming out of this and over the next coming years as we struggle with a you know, difficult economic climate, because it is human nature often to retreat to what you know and the familiar and the comfort zone. I mean, I find that fascinating, but also also very worrying. And, and it sounds like what you're saying is it's also counterproductive because diversity of thinking and talent and skill sets is going to be crucial. Yeah. It goes back to your point about self-belief, actually, yeah. uh, Stu, because I think one of the things in sport that uh, gets you over the line often is absolute true and true belief that your way is better than the opposition's. And you know what what it requires in order to get into that mental state is no doubt, you know, is absolute belief in it. And uh, the, the the problem with that is that whenever there's no doubt, you, you know, there's a lack of critical thinking. Right. So you know, there's no there's no alternative view, and therefore, if that strategy doesn't happen to be effective, then it, it's it's a dangerous position. Uh, to be in and you know what diversity gives you in, in executive teams is uh, it, it, the ability to stop that happening um, and I think that is where the link between sport and business is um, not that helpful that you know you in terms of business strategy what we look what you know what you're looking for is uh, a good bit of critical pulling it apart Right. Um, and a good bit of discussion, no matter how painful that is. And it's often very painful at that level. And especially when you've got business leaders who own the business, who it's their baby, you know, it's their child <laughs> that you're, you're pulling apart here. You know, that's yeah. a painful, very painful uh, thing for them to go through. Um, but without, without being able to go through that process, you know, there, there, there is a danger that the lack of critical thinking, you know, and the total belief in a strategy that isn't effective is, is going to put them out of business. This is now going to be my excuse for why I, I never made it as an international cricketer. It's because my skill set's much better suited to business, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, thank you, Jen. I, I'm going to ask you one final quick thing before we finish up. If you have a top three tips for team leaders, um, exec leaders listening to this, um, given the situation we're in, given all the uncertainty ahead, what would be your, your, your top three go-tos? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's back to where we started, which is, you know, look in the mirror. Where, where are you at when it comes to the change curve? And are you really up for it in acceptance? Are you really facing into this and looking for the opportunities? 
And then, you know, the challenge of can you bring other people with you? Where, you know, then look at, at your teams. Where is everybody else at? What, what's it going to require from you to, to, to shift them from where they are to a place of uh, thinking creatively, uh, thinking, you know, about opportunity for the future, thinking about what the world needs that we can offer them. You know, the third thing is then co-create a strategy for your, for your organization, include the best brains in your business uh, in that and co-create that strategy and turn positive thinking into positive action. Positive thinking alone is not enough. Positive action is required. Brilliant. Thank you. Excellent advice. Um, Dr. Jenny Denyer, thank you. That was really interesting. To our listeners, thank you for listening as ever. If you enjoy our podcast, please do hit subscribe. Please do share. Please do send us your comments and feedback. It's always appreciated. And to everyone, uh, do not adjust your focus, even in a global crisis. Until next time, thanks. Thanks.